This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start so let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. All right, guys, thank you for joining us on Bear Archery's Hunting 101. I am with a familiar voice, a friend of mine, Mr. Chris Perino. Chris, how are you, man? Pretty good. Appreciate you calling me. Absolutely. Before we jump in, uh, how long have you been with Bear? I've been, I mean, I started. You know, when I started shooting recurves back in probably 86, 87, um, you know, my first couple bows were, were bear bows, bear super Kodiaks um, is what I shot. And I kind of got into building bows and built bows up until like 2006 and pretty much been shooting bear bows since, since then. So from 2006 till now has pretty much been exclusively bear bows you know pretty much every model that they uh they've kicked out you know i've played with shot um so yeah it's, it's, which it's is what which is what we're going to talk about we're going to talk about different you know hunting experiences with different models and, and just kind of work through you know uh what experiences you have with what models what you uh appreciate and what you don't appreciate appreciate about certain models uh before we dive in though i do need to give a quick thank you to our friends over at selway now you might know of a good quiver over there at selway uh chris the the, the grayling quiver yeah i do know of a, a anybody that owns a bare bow needs to be putting a grayling quiver on their bow now it's you like, you designed that correct well I, I really can't take credit for designing it it's actually a design that um you know, Bear had had built a uh, spring arm quiver since uh, I want to say '60, somewhere in the mid '60s. They came out with the um, pl- uh, wire framed quiver style, and I basically took that hood and kind of redesigned the. You know, I think originally it was made with a uh, ABS plastic, and we. Uh, you know, color matched the plastic and the emblem and pretty much redesigned the hood and kind of made it it was some, you know, proven parts that Selway's been around for years. And I had have used Selway's quivers for, shoot, pretty much since uh, I would say the early 90s was when I got my first quiver. And, you know, I've, I've hunted, uh, you know, with the slide on is the is the version that i use so the slide on limb mount version is the one i've used and have used it for just years i mean they've got several other models i mean they got side mount they've got uh, strap on quick disconnect you know there's uh, several different models uh, to choose from as far as uh, mating to your limbs or um, attaching it to the bow uh, it's kind of personal preference as to what a guy wants um I've just had really good luck with the slide on and, and I'm not since I'm not much of a changer, I pretty much, you know, whatever works for me, that's kind of what I stick with. But now I've uh, I've used their products for years and years and you know, obviously, you know, I've said this before, the old bear 
you know, anything that's got the bear logo on it was always uh, interests me. And uh, I always liked the old, that old spring arm style quiver, that wireframe quiver. Um, it just was a little, you know, looked really good on the bow. It just, uh, there was, you know, a few issues for me as far as, you know, hunting. I wanted something that was as quiet as possible. And uh, having used the, the slide on, uh, models from Selway and having real good luck with them. I just thought that was a kind of the perfect uh, perfect way to go. So that's that's kind of how that all came about. But uh, now I'm super happy with uh, with how they turned out. We put a lot of effort in trying to get it as close to the original, you know, color matched and logos and everything as possible. And uh, have been working on some other stuff and hope to be able to. Hope to be able to bring in some, bring some other, you know, kind of some other twist to that version out here pretty soon. That's awesome. Yeah, Selway, Selway makes some incredible quivers. So even if the grayling isn't up your alley, head over and check out all of Selway's quivers. Uh, I just got a custom uh, hunting 101 quiver made from Selway, and it is absolutely fantastic. So go check out Selway Archery because they make hands down the best traditional quivers you can buy. Now, uh, Chris, I don't know how you want to dive into this. Let's let's talk through um, your hunting experiences with different models from the beginning. So you said you started off with a Super Kodiak. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, when I pretty much got into traditional archery, I, I think I originally started with a uh, Kodiak Hunter, I believe, that the neighbor let me borrow. And then the first bow I purchased was a Super Kodiak. And then from there, I bought a um, uh, the takedown. And uh, I mean, I, I've always used takedowns. I mean, if you're traveling, I mean, when I was going to out of state or flying, and uh, if you're traveling, the, the takedown version is probably by far the most um, versatile traditional bow they've got for that aspect i mean you can you know i always sometimes i wouldn't take two bows but i've always taken an extra set of limbs when i'm traveling and hunting and and so you can you know pack it up throw it in your pack kind of eliminate extra baggage and stuff i mean the takedown version once you take the limbs off and the handle you know you can throw it in some shoot i know back in the day i used to just throw them in uh, some of my hunting socks just throw the riser and the limbs in my hunting socks and and kind of wrap them up and throw them in between my clothes and and off I went but but now the um, the takedown version is as far as packability and being able to carry an extra set of limbs as limbs is always a, a good option I mean if you're if you're hunting out of the truck obviously you've got some of those things aren't concerned, you know, I and mean, it's as far as hauling your bow around and just a lot easier. But now, especially traveling, it seems like they, the airlines want to you know, charge you for extra baggage. And it can just be a, when you're going hunting, you're, you're usually get a lot of clothes and packs and, and additional gear than you would on a, on a normal trip. So being able to get everything packed down and be as as efficient as possible with your packing is always a, a benefit. Um, again, especially for flying, you know they they really they really want to charge you for the extra baggage anymore. So now, what has been over the years? And, and I know that's kind of a, a long span and a big question, but over the years, um, what's been your favorite bow? Well, I pretty much have ex since when when bear when i first got you know i was pretty much strictly a takedowns that's about all i used was was the takedowns and then when they came out with the um the kodiak that remake of the 59 kodiak i had an original 59 from years ago i mean from back in the you know, it was original when they built them in 59. The 59 and the 60 were very, very similar. But the Kodiaks back in the 50s all, like back in the early year, early 50s, they were like a dual shelf bow. And then the Kodiak, you know, 57, 58, 59, 60 were, they, they kind of morphed into a probably 
for for me it was one of the sweetest shooting bows bear put out like it was just a really really nice smooth um i like a small grip so that longbow type grip as far as i was concerned was um you really fit me well and i shot the the original 59 that i had i shot really really well and when it came out with the the remake it was about as i mean as, as close as you you could ever come to exactly what they were putting out in 59 so i i do i am definitely partial to the the kodiak when it comes to you know whitetail hunting and uh, you know if i'm traveling in a truck or whatever i i will definitely take that bow with me just i mean when you're hunting you want to be hunting with something that you're very very confident with and and shoot well and for for me that bow the kodiak is 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 it for me i'm extremely comfortable with it i you know get along with it really well and and it's always good to hit what you're aiming at too so so a lot of pluses there and i just i I just like the as far as the feel and and the packability and the shootability it's it just fits me really really well you know some guys like something a little bit heavier and i always run a quiver on my bow Um, i've always hunted with with quivers attached to my bow so that adds a little bit of a little bit of weight and just you know makes it a gives it a little bit more more mass and just works well for me um it's a 60 inch bow which you know the longer the bow the longer the bow is, usually the the smoother they are. They, you know, just feel a little bit um, better in your hand. But um, yeah, that's uh, th- those are pretty much the two bows that I switch back and forth from is be the Kodiak and the Takedown. I mean, the Takedown is is there's a lot of options. I mean, I usually shoot between 55 and 60 pounds. I mean, I'm 60s getting to be a little bit a little bit more than i want 55 is just right but i always i I want always tell people for hunting um you know if you're shooting targets then it's it's kind of a different different scenario but for hunting you want to shoot as or i feel like you want to shoot as heavy a bow as you can accurately i mean you you can be overbowed but you know if you can shoot a 40 pound bow well but can handle a 50 pound bow then 50 pounds is probably what you need to be shooting um you know as far as a hunting scenario but but yeah i mean at the end of the day again what you're comfortable with and what you're the most accurate with is going to be a better uh, a better fit i mean obviously putting the arrow where you want to put it is is again more important than the weight but you know, I think it's kind of a, you want the best of both worlds. You want to shoot as heavy a bow as you can comfortably and accurately. And, and that's where I think you should be in a hunting scenario. Now we kind of dove into this, um, weight wise the other day. Um, would you ever consider like, so if I'm shooting, you know, say 50 pounds and that's what I primarily hunt with, which, you know, I primarily whitetail hunt. Um, and then I was, you know, going to go on an elk hunt or a moose hunt or something. Would you, you know, train and work up to pull a, a heavier bow back? Or would you just go with what you're comfortable with, what you've always shot with, what you know you can hit with? Um, or again, do you kind of stress yourself and, and, and stretch yourself and, and get a heavier bow? Well, I, I you know, I... To a certain extent, I mean, if you're shooting 50 pounds, I mean, to go up to 60, 65, you know, those are big jumps, you know, to go from, you know, 50, maybe working up to 55. Is that, would that be beneficial? Yeah, absolutely. You know, will a 50 pound bow kill elk moose? Absolutely. I mean, they they absolutely will. I mean, I think it's more, you know, when you get into recurves, it it is definitely um, weight is a factor, but again having the right arrow um i do believe that 
you know, a heavier arrow is 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 going to penetrate better than a, a lighter arrow. I mean, I think there's really no question about that. And uh, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if you're hunting with a recurve, it's a, it's a short range. You know, it's a it's a distance weapon. You know, it's really not designed for you know, long distances. So, you know, if you're shooting a recurve, then it's, you know, you're kind of limiting yourself to that distance and at that distance, you know, 50, 50 pounds, um, you know, an elk at, at 20, 30 yards with the right arrow set up is really no problem. But I think where you get into the, the, the weights is, you know, most animals when you put, I mean, a moose, a moose hide is extremely thick. Um, you know, a deer is obviously not as thick. I mean, an elk kind of in between, but I mean, a moose is, there's a lot of hide there to get through as far as, you know, and bears are, are, are extremely really on the thin side. So a bear does not have thick skin, but, you know, if you put the arrow in the, you know, in through the, you know, getting through the ribs or getting through the skin and getting into the rib cage, you know, that's fairly doable, um, on on most big game animals where where the weight and the arrow set up and all that and and shooting a little heavier bow i think comes into play is if you get into a you know where you're trying to get through a spot that is you know a little bit more mass um i as far as like the shoulder blade and and such like that you can get through it but i you know i mean Obviously, the more weight you have, the better chances you're going to have of, of making a shot that, that you get up. If you get close to a lot of bone mass or muscle mass, you know, you can get through that. But I don't think to go to a 60, 80, 90 pound bow and say, well, you know, I'm going to shoot through the shoulder blade or I'm going to shoot through. I mean, some of them bows bones especially on a moose or a bigger animal like there there's there's a lot of mass there i mean i i don't you know i don't know what you could i mean i I know guys that have shot super heavy bows and shot like solid fiberglass fish arrows and you know have talked like they get good penetration and i imagine they do i mean but that's that's a kind of an extreme setup so i don't to answer that question, it's it's really, it's kind of shot placement. You know, the heavier your arrow is and the heavier weight you're shooting, if you get into a marginal shot in, in that area, then it's it's obviously going to help you out. But I think for most animals, you know, a, a broadside or quarter and away shot, you're, you're not really coming through, uh, you know, a bunch of dense bone, you know, leg bone, shoulders and such like that. So that's kind of the, you know, the decision, the hunter, you know, you got to make in the field, you know, what, what's my shot angle? What's, what's everything, you know, what, what am I trying to go through to get through, get into the, you know, the boiler room, I'd call it, but um, it's usually, again, the rib cage and, and, you know, getting between the ribs or even breaking ribs like that's fairly doable. If you've got a, a, a bow that's shooting, um, a fairly heavy arrow. Now, <clears throat> before we go on, you, I mean, because we could dive in. I mean, you've hunted game all over the world, and uh, you know, you have you have in depth experience with with all these bows that you're talking about, uh, more so than than most guys could could dream of. So, you know, I'm excited to ask you all these questions and dive in and, and get into. Um, all of your experiences, but before we move on, uh, quick shout out to the dudes over at Schnee's. Um, they make some of the finest boots on planet Earth. I uh, that's all I wear from my pack boots to my everyday wear boots to my you know uh, to my backcountry boots. Go check out Schnee's because they have an incredible lineup of boots, and they're running a spring sale on all of their on all of their uh, spring boots right now. So go check out Schnee's. That's S-C-H-N-E-E-S dot com. Schnees dot com. Go check them out. Now, um, I have a question for you, Chris. What's your uh, 
do you have any bad experiences with any certain bows? And, 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 you know, I'm not asking you what bows are bad because, you know, I've had bad experiences with bows and we talked about that yesterday or, or whenever we talked, you know, we talked about how bows are just, I mean, some people's going to love a bow. Some people's going to hate a bow and uh, it doesn't make it a good bow. doesn't make it a bad bow, but uh, that's just their preference. And so do you have any bows that you've had any bad experience with? I, I, I mean, I stick to, and again, you know, you, you ask me questions, a lot of these questions and I'll, uh, you know, some of these questions I'm giving you are totally my opinion. I mean, what you said is, you know, what I like, somebody else may not like, or the experience I have, somebody else, else might, you know, have a totally different take on it. And, and that's not right or wrong. Like there's not, you know, a, you know I can give you the different pros and cons for the way I see them, but somebody else, you could ask the same question too. And, you know, they'd say, Oh no, I don't agree. You know, a 56, 58 inch bow works great for me. And that's, you know, that's, that's the beauty of, of traditional archery and, and all the different models, you know, you get out there and, and find the one that fits you right. But to your question, I m- more lean towards a, 58 is kind of borderline for me at my draw length. Uh, I mean, I shot a 58 inch bow for, for a bunch of years. And when I started shooting, you know, bare bows in 2006, pretty much exclusively, I pretty much shoot a 60 inch bow. Um, you know, I would go up to a 62, um, if that option was available and, and, um, I can't say for sure, but I, I, I feel like that that option is, is coming and, and I'm pretty excited about that myself. But the longer the bow, the longer your draw length is, and the longer the bow is, it, it will. It's just going to shoot smoother. Um, I mean, the, the you know the you're not going to have as much finger pinch. I mean, the shorter the bow, the 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 more drastic that angle is when you're you know pulling it back. Obviously, because it's a shorter bow. But um, you know, some guys shoot. You know, they like a 55, a 52, 54, 56 inch bow. For me, I, I, I mean, I've shot the A handle with the number one limbs, which puts it at a 56 inch bow. I have used that when I'm turkey hunting because 99% of the time, not even 99, 100% of the time, if I'm turkey hunting with my bow, it's out of a blind. So a 60 inch bow and a blind, um, you know, some blinds are a little tall. I mean, they, they made years ago, they made some blinds that were made for long bows, recurves and, and guys shooting traditional archery. It was just a taller blind, um, you know, which, which I've got a couple of them and they work well, but you still, you know, when you get in a blind, you got to make sure that you got, you know, room to shoot out the window and, you know, tips. I mean, if you're on the side or, you, you know, that's, that's something you definitely have to have in your mind. So 60 inch bow works fine, but man, when I go down to a 58 or 56 inch bow uh, for turkey hunting, it is definitely a lot nicer. I mean, as far as that aspect, you just, you have more room. You're not, you know, and you're not so concerned about, you know, hitting a blind, hitting the ground and, and what have you. So for, for turkey hunting out of a blind, I will, you know, go to a little shorter bow, you know, a 58 inch bow. And, and again, I've shot that takedown with the number one limbs, which puts it at 56, but you know, it's, it's just shoots a little, shoots a little different than the longer bows. So, you know, you need to get out and practice with it, you know, before you just switch limbs and, and go hunting. But I, I, as far as having bad experiences, I don't, I don't shoot the, the ultra old, like a 48 inch bow. I just, I don't shoot that. I don't shoot the 56s because I know that my draw length is long enough that it, it's going to, you know, not be as conducive for me to shoot. So I, I pretty much stay away from them. But again, if you don't have a long draw length, if you're, you know, shooting a little lighter poundage and, you know, depending on what you're, what you're doing, it may suit somebody just fine. I mean, bear has, has made over the years you know they made that 48 inch um i mean they make some some shorter bows some 52s and and uh they've all got their place i just you know i, I just tend to stay with the the takedown and the kodiak 
And the Super Kodiak is a, I've shot the Super Kodiak. I've, I've killed some deer with Super Kodiak. That's what I started with. It just for, for me. And again, it's totally, it's totally me. It's, it's just, I just shoot the Kodiak and the takedown better. I mean, I can shoot a Super Kodiak and it's, it's a 60 inch bow. I don't really have any issues with it. I just, for whatever reason, uh, shoot the other bows better. Now, you spoke about shooting out of a blind. I, uh, down in South Texas, hopefully doesn't listen to this episode. If he does, I'll get a phone call. But down in South Texas, um, one of our buddies got a brand new blind and, uh, and he put it up. And how it worked out was, was I was going to go film for a guy in that blind, but I was going to take my recurve in case some javelinas came in. And, uh, and so, some javelinas came in and uh, I went to shoot one with my recurve and the limb punctured a hole right in the top of that new blind, brand new blind. And, uh, so, uh, we went to work and got some black duct tape and, and fixed that rip in the top of that blind. But yeah, I learned shooting a blind, shooting a recurve out of a blind is no easy task. Well, I, a blind also gives you a different, a lot of times if you're in a blind, your depth perception um, will change like if you're you know 20 yards in a blind can look to to me looks a lot farther i mean it's just a you know i don't know whether it's looking out the windows or, or what and I, I think it depends i mean when i'm turkey hunting i use i want one window open and i try to keep it as black and dark as possible so i don't use the blinds that have the mesh i try to keep cut down on as much light as possible but your perception inside the blind is different than out of a tree stand or or just standing outside and shooting like your depth for depth perception gets a little bit distorted in my view or at least it does for me so that's what i've found and you you definitely need to practice out of a blind i mean if you're going to go turkey hunting you're going to go shoot out of them it's good to to get in a blind and and do some practicing and just kind of you know get a feel for for what you're doing but um yeah that kind of comes back to the you know it's tough enough to shoot a recurve in a blind with one person let alone with two uh i don't you know, I've I've done it before. I've tried it before, and and I learned a long time ago that it wasn't really conducive for me. So um, I stay in the blind by myself. That way, I got all the room to, you know, when you're shooting out of a blind for turkeys, um, and and that's really all I have. It's, I mean, I I've shot antelope out of a blind, and I've shot uh, uh, again. That's all I do is turkey hunt out of a blind as far as my turkey hunting but a lot of times i will try to you know you get the window open and wherever you think the shot's going to be and i i don't usually draw in the window i usually will draw to out of the window and then once i come to full draw kind of lean into the window or or dip back into the window if that makes sense i mean i don't I don't stick my bow hand up right at the, cause I mean, they, you know, when those turkeys get in there, I mean, they, a blind is definitely will conceal you, but the turkeys I'm hunting around here, I mean, they, they're not stupid. You know, they, just because you're in a blind don't mean they can't look in the window and see something. If they, they see some movement or what have you, then, you know, it's usually not worked out good for me. So, but it, you know, if you have a window open and you can, keep yourself and your bow and all the movement away from that window and you draw, man, it's no problem. I mean, the, the turkeys can be literally be right outside the, uh, side the window. I've actually, I've put some holes in some of my blinds, but I've had a couple turkeys that will get so I put my, my decoys very, very close to my blind. Like I will put a decoy out and I have a decoy that is a, it's a hen that's like a feeding hen. So I will, that feeding hen, I will keep literally like five feet from my blind, if that. And what I do is I'll run a string underneath that blind because I've, <clears throat> I'm not a great caller. I can call, but I, I, I do not claim to be any type of turkey hunter. But I have found that movement on those decoys sometimes can be better than calling to them. Like I've had turkeys come out. Um, they could come out in the field. They see, they see 
the decoys and and you can tell that they acknowledge that they're there and sometimes you know just by the movement of that feeding hen is enough to to get them to you know get some curious enough that they will come over and and get right in the decoys but i've had i've had one turkey that has come over and got right up next to the blind to where when it was strutting it was actually brushing against the blind and i i, I actually shot that turkey right through the blind like i i <laughs> knew where the turkey was and it was right brushed right up next like it was just right next to the sidewall and i just shot right through the wall right through the turkey i mean it was so i mean that was that's that awesome was, yeah that was a patchable hole that i didn't mind patching but uh, but yeah i mean that's uh that's um uh, the turkey hunting out of a blind is is for with a bow i think is is I, I, you know i hear guys that sit and and do it without a blind and i'm totally amazed because i cannot like i i have called several turkeys in with buddies of mine that are you know gun hunting and this that and the other and man i, I can't i you know to get drawn on a turkey I, I don't understand how they do it like it's so much movement i mean moving a shotgun or even you know i guess if you you know if you can get a compound get the bow drawn when a turkey's behind the tree and you can hold it long enough it comes out i, I think that's probably all totally doable but when I, once I draw, I'm pretty much committed to shoot. Like I can't draw and hold for any length of time. Like once I start drawing, you know, I, I need to be shooting fairly, fairly quick. So, um, and that's usually when the turkeys, you know, 10, 15 feet from me right there. And, and they just, again, they just, man, they, they might not be able, they might not have a lot of senses, but man, they see something that's not that's just not kosher to them it's 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 over where i hunt for sure yeah now uh i don't even know that you can count how many big game animals you've killed um what out of all the big game animals you've harvested what would you say that your your favorite or best trophy is and there is well, a follow-up question to that yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I have, I have for sure been fortunate enough to, um, to do a lot of hunting and I, I don't claim to be any kind of, I'm not a target shooter. I'm not a, that that's not my thing. I, I love to hunt with a recurve bow. So, you know, I, I like the, you know, I like being out there. I like hunting. I'm not, you know, here in Illinois, we get, can shoot two bucks and, you know i say unlimited does i mean they don't limit us on the doe tags i mean you just got to keep buying tags but i i don't you know like i'll try to fill my first my first buck tag and and i usually i'm very very selective on the on the second one because i just don't want to be it over but i probably strayed off of what your question was but i guess to answer that i don't know as if um i you know the one the, the animals that I've hunted the hardest. I mean, I've shot some really good animals that that were just you know if you hunt long enough, you're going to have hunts that are just kind of everything. You know, the stars aligned and everything lines up and everything goes your way. But the animals that that have been the hardest or have taken the longest probably are the most you know the most memorable for me myself. I mean, I've shot some really good bucks that. Uh, quite honestly, I, I, you know, I was in a good spot at the right time and, you know, hunting a, uh, travel thoroughfare, you know, during the rut and, you know, a nice deer comes by, you shoot it. Well, that's great. And, and it's, I, I don't, you know, I mean, everything was, I, I enjoyed it. I liked it. it. But as far as, as gratification, you know, I've had several deer that I've shot that I've seen, you know, had seen on multiple occasions, you know, some of them I, I, you know, it had, had, had within distance and not gotten the shot for whatever reason. And, you know, when you're hunting a certain spe specific animal and then finally take it, then, you know, they're for 
a personal view it's just more meaningful like when you put if you put it on the wall everybody's going to look at the one that's got the biggest horns or the biggest racks but i you know i think the animals that are that are that were tough and and elk were tough for me for years i went a bunch of years uh chasing elk and it just was a i, I killed a cow the first year i ever went elk hunting i killed a cow but after that like i wanted a bull elk and the worst like i just that was the one animal I really wanted. And I, I know I spent a bunch of years hunting elk. I say a bunch of years. I, I would, I mean, there was years I'd go to Colorado. I'd hunt for a week or two and, you know, I might come home and go back out and, and hunt a little bit more if, if the season was in. But um, I think I hunted for maybe four years. And I want to say I did at least two weeks, two, two and a half weeks a year. You know, I spent out there, you know, chasing elk. And when I finally got, when I finally shot, I shot like a four by five bull. I remember that. That was pretty, pretty um, memorable to me. What uh, bow was that with? Well, that was, that was pre-bear. So that would have been with one with a bow that I built. And, uh, you know, that, oh, that you. definitely, that definitely added a, a, um, uh, you know, a little more to the story, you know, on a personal level, but I, I, you know, I've shot five grizzly bears, um, and three of them have been with bear bows. I, I will tell you the first grizzly bear that I shot with a, a bear takedown was pretty like, that was pretty memorable. I mean, I had shot a couple before that with my bows, but, you know, going on that hunt and hunting with the bear, that was with a bear takedown, you know, which was pretty much the bow that, that Fred Bear had designed, and now, you know that. Didn't you just get your new magrizer? I did. Yeah, I did. I I actually was uh, shooting it today. Actually, what, what color did you cool. go with? Well, I got um, I've got the the camo right now that I've been shooting. So that's a cool stinking camo right there, man. Well, I've I had seen that. Um, I I knew they were. I had seen the design on that, and while they were working on it, and you're right, that that is definitely a, um, you know, we had been working on trying to get some quivers that that we were going to dip with uh, that that um, that camo, and and it is it it definitely is a very unique, uh, you know, kind of a, it, it's it's sweet. It is a definitely a nice design. You know, it kind of merges everything together but. now before i let you go i got two questions for you You know fred bear was big on his field notes um so share one note you've taken over the years with us um on how to be a better uh, a better sportsman a better outdoorsman um so we can take and put it in our back pocket well i think and, and maybe some of this comes with age you know when i was younger um the things now that I look at, you know, I mean, I think, I think as you get older and you hunt more and, you know, you get opportunities to do more, you know, maybe your perspective changes on a lot of things, but I know, I mean, when I, there was a time I'd read uh, all the Fred bear field notes and watch the old, you know, the old Fred bear videos. And, you know, you'd watch that and you just dream about being out there and doing the same thing. And it was kind of all about the, uh, it was kind of all about the, the end game, you know, getting, you know, it's like you'd see Fred Barrett and you'd see the animals and that's kind of what you, you know, what I, what you would relate to. And I think the older I get, the more, I think the process or the adventure, like there's a lot more to it than, I mean, I mean, everybody wants to go hunting and punch tags and, and, and I do too. I mean, I'm, I'm hunting to fill a tag or, I mean, that's, that's my goal but i have found that the older i get i think just being out there and and kind of you know getting an adventure planned and then finally going on it and and you know again the i think the harder a guy hunts you're probably going to um you know make your own make your own luck or or or, you know, you'll be successful if you spend enough time in the woods and you hunt hard enough. You know, I think a person can absolutely be successful at it. But I, I think that's probably the one thing that that I always um, kind of admire. You know, when I'd read the 
Fred Bear's field notes, when I watched the videos and stuff, it just, man, it just seemed like whatever Fred Bear was doing, he had a way of, you know, kind of drawing you in, making you want to do that. And, and, and it seemed like he was having fun at every freaking turn. You know, it's like every, no matter what he was doing, it was, you know, it was, it was just a good time and a good adventure. So I guess I would say maybe the adventure, um, getting out there hunting and, and doing that and just kind of enjoying, a, enjoying what it's really all about, um, I guess would be my take on it. I don't know if that answered your question. It yeah. Was... Yeah, absolutely. Now, <clears throat> I want to circle back. I thought you got two more questions. I lied. Uh, I want to circle back to the elk. You said you tried for four years. Did the thought ever cross your mind, if I just picked up a rifle or if I just no, picked no, up a man, compound? That thought, that thought never crossed my mind. I, I never. I, I don't. Uh, I, I Again, I and again, I, I, I may be an odd duck. You know, I may have a different view on and again there's nothing wrong with i mean there's there's nothing wrong with rifle hunting there's nothing wrong with shooting a uh compound i mean if there's if it's legal if there's legal and there's a season for it i mean man by all means it's 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 a person's choice you know some some people just don't get as much time as other i mean some people have a limited time to hunt you know i mean it's just the fact i mean with jobs and kids and and just life you know you uh, there's a lot of guys that, that don't get as much time. I have probably over the years got a lot more time than most, and I'm extremely bullheaded. Like I just, I don't, for me to to shoot a, I mean, I'm not going to tell you that the thought never crossed my mind. Like, like there was probably times I'm like, man, I could make this a lot easier on myself. But it, at the end of the day, once I, did well you know when i got my first bull with a bow or with my my bow i was you know it was all at that point it was all worth it it's like okay you know the weight was worth it and i you know just because i didn't it took me that long to get one i you know i had a lot of like i was you know i was close to elk i mean there was a lot of there was a lot of opportunities that i had that were man oh so close like it's you know if i went five years hunting elk and never saw an elk probably would have a different view on it but i didn't you know i mean i would get you know i'd get you know 60 70 you know 40 you know i'd, I'd get kind of within distance i mean within you know a I'd get within the distance where I could, you know, take the shot or I'd get, I got shots, you know, at, at 20, 30 yards, you know, I got that close. And I mean, I'd get within 50, 60, 70 yards. That's not my shooting range, but I mean, I, I got close enough to elk that I felt like I, you know, it's like I can do this. So I had the confidence that I could, you know, I could get in there and, and get a shot and, and pull it all off. But again, you know, it took long enough for me to actually do it. And, and once I did it, I, I, I want to say I shot an elk and it was kind of funny because I believe I shot an elk and I actually shot two elk that year. So I shot my first elk ever in Colorado and then, and then turned around like two weeks later and went up and was hunting up in uh, Wyoming and I killed a bull up there too. So, I mean, it's, it's like I went for a good long while really really struggling with elk and then all of a sudden in one year you know I, I shot two of them and I mean and and I've had again if you are having opportunities and you can you know you're out there then you know the chances are you, you're, you're going to get it pulled off so you know you just have to decide what you're you know if that's what you want then you just keep driving at it and and I believe it you know will eventually happen now, the reason I asked you that was because throughout my process of trying to become a stick bow hunter or a trad bow hunter, um, you know, I've had several guys tell me different things. And you have to get your mind off of the idea, well, if I just had my compound. Why? Because you don't have your compound. And, uh, and, and 
that will like that will haunt you, you know, that will that will cripple you if you constantly think if I just have my compound because what'll happen is then you'll pick up your compound and start hunting and a deer will be at, you know, two hundred and you'll think, Well, if I just have my rifle and uh and so you've gotta you've gotta not think in terms of if I only just had this. Um, but instead, like you said, take those times and learn how can I get closer to that animal? Uh, how can I how can I cut the distance from sixty to twenty so I can shoot it with my recurve? Um, so that's why I ask, you know, and I, I I was almost positive you had never had that thought, uh, but I just wanted to check with you. Now before I do let you go, man, I absolutely love eating wild game, and I'm a huge proponent of it. Uh, so I've started a new little segment, and that's hunting or that's cooking one on one. And, uh, and this is brought to you by my friends over at Rebel 6 Seasonings. Uh, for a man who hunts all over the world and kills all different kind of animals, they have seasonings for all of your animals, specifically tailored to the taste of that meat. So they've got bear seasonings, they've got fish seasonings, they've got deer seasonings and elk seasonings, and, and it's all tailored to the taste of that wild game. Not to cover up the taste of wild game, but to accent the taste of wild game. So... Give me your your cooking one hundred and one uh, tip, or your you know if you've had a favorite meal in the backcountry, um, if you've got you know your favorite kind of wild game to harvest or or to eat, um, anything cooking related, man. Because I absolutely I'm about to to go right now and have some venison tacos. I absolutely love wild game. So uh, share with me anything you got on cooking. Well, I. I really wouldn't consider myself Martha Stewart or anything, but uh, I, I would say that um, to, the the biggest key for whitetail or for most game game meat is is not overcooking it. Like if you like if you have to have it well done or medium, you know medium. I mean, you, you just there's a point I think when you're cooking cooking wild meat, you can have all the seasoning, you can have every anything and everything you have on it but if you just cook the good right out of it it just ruins it i i personally have found that um i will marinate um marinate meat up in in different you know marinades and and again some of those marinades you know you can sit that meat in there for a couple two or three days and then i i think the key is to cook it really really hot really fast and not overcook it like you like you pretty much i mean i like for my meat to be warm and red in the middle so i mean i lean towards i lean towards warm rare to medium rare like i just don't think that 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 whenever whenever i overcook it or whenever i cook it to where you know it's it's there's no red left in it 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 doesn't seem the same so uh, i guess the biggest thing that I see is, is not overcooking it. So I cook deer steaks and stuff hot and fast. And I had a guy tell me one time, you'll like this, Chris, I had a guy tell me one time, they said, if you overcook a ribeye to well done, toss it out to your dog. If you overcook a deer steak to well done, don't give it to your dog. Your dog's better than that. Throw it out to the coyotes. Well, it just, I think it's got to do with, most game meat is just so lean and pure that it it doesn't it there's you know there's no fat in it there's there's, it's just extremely lean and and what you can just cook it too much i um you know to your point i years ago i hunted up in um i was up in quebec on a caribou hunt and some of the guys that were in the camp were um had owned restaurants up in Detroit. So they were all five-star chefs and these culinary experts. And, and I can remember those guys cooking up there, you know, when I was young, I mean, I was, man, I was, I probably wasn't even 20 when I was up there doing this, but man, I remember them cooking some, cooking some caribou steaks and stuff. And they were, you know, doing their, had their pots and pans and olive oil and you know whatever season whatever they're throwing on it and they you know they cook it up and saute these caribou steaks up and and they were extremely good but but i do remember them cooking it up and and giving it to me and i'm like oh, i don't know man i think you need to cook that a little more like it was it was not done enough for me to eat it at that time and and the 
the guys were super good, but these guys are chefs. I mean, these guys were, they knew more about cooking than I'll ever know. And they started explaining to me the, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, here's, you know, when you cook, you basically on the outside of the meat, you know, you kind of burn off all the bacteria and, and, you know, meat's either good or it's bad. And if it's bad, you, you know, it, like you can smell it, like, you know, it, but, and that's why hamburger, I mean, obviously hamburger, you want to cook through and through cause it's been ground up. But as far as, you know, ribeye, T-bone steak, I mean, any kind of steak when, you know, if you cook the outsides of that, you have cooked off all the pretty much any bacteria and and there's really no need to take the middle of that that hasn't been exposed to the air to a point that it's just it's just cooked to death and since then i i you know i've i've pretty much uh, you know i ate it it was super good like like what they were doing it's like oh i once so once i got my mind past some of that and i've eaten that way ever since and i've never you know i've never gotten sick i mean i probably wouldn't recommend that on you know pork or or anything else i mean there's certain there's certain there's certain animals that you definitely want to cook through and through but bear you know yeah you know i mean you want to get them you know get it get bear and and pigs and hogs and and you know i would say turkey or any kind of you know birds or anything like that you want to get it cooked get a good get it cooked clean through but when it comes to deer steak venison steaks you know i i just i just don't you know i mean i just yeah i don't and and it is it's much better i mean it, it definitely tastes better yeah Mar- i think Mar- i think marinating it up is a, is a definitely a key like if you can i mean i've marinated stuff and you know pour a can of blue moon beer in there and uh and a bottle of Worcestershire sauce. I mean, you can, you can marinate with some of the simplest stuff. And if you let it go long enough, uh, man, it just, it's, it's dynamite. I mean, it's really good, but. Yeah. Uh, you told me you're not Martha Stewart, but man, you, you went off and, uh, you talk, you talk a lot about wild game. That's cause me and you both like to eat. I, I like to, I mean, uh, the eating is a, is a good part of it, but I, I, you know, I, I definitely, you know, I think you keep it, you keep it simple and don't overcook it. And there's really nothing, you I mean, I don't think you can go wrong. And there's probably a lot of options as far as, you know, how you, what you cook with or what you use. But, um, you know, it's again, the not overcooking it, I guess would be the, the secret there. Yeah. Well, guys, before you go, I need you to head over and check out on Facebook and Instagram the 363 Hunt Club. This is a nonprofit organization, uh, the John V. Mesh Memorial Scholarship. What happened was uh, John Mesh was a firefighter in the Kansas City area. He died in the line of duty. He had a strong passion for getting kids involved in the outdoors. So at his passing, his brother decided to honor him by starting a nonprofit organization to get kids involved in the outdoors. And they hold these big events. One of them is at our friends, um, the E3 Ranch there. Um, and, uh, and they hold these big events, and they raise money, and they will send somebody, send a student uh, through school uh, who wants to get their job in the outdoor industry, so a, 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 a game warden or something like that. They will give a scholarship to that student in order to go and work in the outdoor industry. So go check out 363 Hunt Club on social media and the John V. Mesh Memorial Scholarship. Chris, thank you so much for coming on, man. I cannot thank you enough. I It's always a pleasure talking with you. It's always a pleasure uh, hearing you tell stories. And so uh, I appreciate you coming on, man. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Guys, thank you for listening, and uh, you guys have a great week.